Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. I'm Lori. I'm Sam. And we're back. We're coming at you from a brand new recording space. Yeah. Hot off the press. You remember our guest star, Alex, from earlier in the season? (laughs) (laughs) Of Sam fame. Of of Sam fame. (laughs) This is uh, Alex's old bedroom, which is now their office space, aka our podcast studio. I just built a desk. With my bare, bare hands. hands. Bare hands. Bare hands. <laughs> and that is what the microphone is sitting on. So we're in Portland, Maine, currently on the tail end of a just a wild blizzard. Mm-hmm. I got into town yesterday during the blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for New Year's. Yep. New content, baby. New Year, new content. New Year, new content. Same me. Same me. Same Twilight. Same Twilight. <laughs> New outlook. Mm-hmm. I have an amendment from a previous episode. Oh. So in our previous episode, we talked to Lori's partner, JJ. The day I got back to Maine, he called me on the phone. <laughs> I definitely have told you about this. <laughs> okay, I <Yeah>. forgot. <laughs> we asked him to share his favorite Twilight-related memories, and he said something like about watching the movie. Oh, yeah, you have and told me about yeah, this. He yeah, he called me the next day to be like, um, I would like to amend my statements. He amended that his favorite Twilight memory to when he literally proposed to you quoting Twilight. (laughs) I should probably also amend whatever I've said about my favorite Twilight moments to that. And we also talked about your lightly Twilight-themed engagement party. Yeah. It was also really great. So those moments exist. Those moments exist. (laughs) Should we do the Forks cast? Oh yeah. Good catch. Thank you. Today in Forks, it is... 48 degrees and raining. It will rain for literally the next nine days. <laughs> Gorgeous. So I love that. It's going to be pretty much the same for the next nine days. And therefore probably the same in the next couple probably episodes. Probably the same for the next few episodes. We, <laughs> we do the Forks cast. Today we read chapters six and seven of Twilight for today's episode. These are really dope chapters. Yeah. Um, they go really well together. These are the chapters where Bella is discovering that Edward is a vampire. It's such an interesting contrast from the last chapter, which was basically all dialogue, and this one, these ones are mostly narration, mm-hmm. and, and Edward's really, not in them. Frankly, like, very beautiful narration. Really beautiful. Oh my god. Yeah. I was kind of <laughs> struck by, like, yeah. the natural imagery. Yeah. I was like, can we go? <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, oh, I love this. There were some really beautiful descriptions. Yeah. There's a lot of description. So for those of you reading along at home... We'll be starting on page 110, chapter 6, Scary Stories. We left off at the end of Blood Type. Belle and Edward have made plans to go to Seattle together on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I think it might... Is it next Saturday or is it... I want to say it's next Saturday because... This is also the this weekend. This is also the weekend. Yeah. And she has little push plans this weekend. Yes. He, the Saturday of the dance is when they're planning on yeah. going. Yeah. So she goes into school and she knows that Edward and Emmett are not going to be there because Edward just told her that they were starting yes. the weekend early and going hunting. No. That's right. They're going hiking. Sorry. Hiking. Yeah. As far as she knows. Yeah. Um, well, they're going hunting. At this place called Goat Rock. The first thing that she says in this chapter is that she's trying to read the third act of Macbeth. <laughs> so I like just spent like I spent probably 20 minutes today reading a synopsis of the third act of nice. Macbeth. Trying to see what the parallels were. Because oh, I figure yeah. that Stephanie Meyer, like, always is putting in different literature allegories mm-hmm. um, that are, like, not very tight, mm-hmm. but, like, they're just kind of there. I'm not super familiar with Macbeth, but mm-hmm. I, like, was doing my best. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's any, like, one thing that it's pointing to, but the third act of Macbeth is, like, all about, like, the murders, and, like, there's some, mm-hmm. like, supernatural stuff happening, like, the ghost is appearing. Mm-hmm. I was just, like, thinking generally about, like, Bella and Edward and, like, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth and, like... The point of Macbeth is that, for Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, is, like, how they um, feel, um, like, how they're, like, psychologically impacted by, like, the murders and, like, the actions that they take, which feels like a fun parallel to the Mm -hmm. vampires, or the Collins in particular. I can't believe you're openly saying the name of the Scottish play. (laughs) What? I can't believe you're openly saying the name of the Scottish play. We're not going. (laughs) You weren't in theater. (laughs) however many years. Yeah, but we're not, we don't have any shows to do right now. <laughs> this is a show. <laughs> is this our theater performance? A little bit. Damn. Well, it's I all downhill from here. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Yeah. 
I don't, I've never seen it all the, through, all the way through. I've never seen, like, a stage production. My school did a one-act mm-hmm. version. So they had, they had to say it. No, I was not. But anyway, I <laughs> the point of that story is that I tried to make a literary connection and then didn't really... Wasn't really able to do it, but it's something to think about. Something to think about. There's some interesting dynamics here between the humans. We get a lot of Lauren in this chapter, and I was just kind of thinking about what her purpose in the story is. Bella's narration, talking about and, like, describing Lauren gets more unkind as this chapter goes on. For some reason that Bella doesn't know yet, Lauren doesn't seem to like her. Yeah. she's saying unkind things, or she's, she's speaking about Bella in a way that is unkind to other people and doesn't seem to be pleased with Bella joining in on their social plans. I think it ends up being because she's jealous of the attention that Tyler is giving Bella, I think. Is yeah, it Tyler? It must be. I've, I noted down that, like, I would love to see how having Lauren present in the movie would have changed Jessica's character because, like, yeah, obviously Jessica's, well, not obviously, but Jessica's a combination of yeah. the characters Lauren and Jessica. Yeah, it seems From like the it. book, it seems, and so I, I mean, like, it seems like, you know, Angela's the neutral, or not the neutral, Angela's the really positive, like, friend that Bella enjoys sitting next to. She mentions that it's a couple times mm-hmm. throughout the, these two chapters about, like, how pleasant being around Angela is, how she doesn't try to fill space with conversation, things like that, and then... Lauren is, like, this bitch that (laughs) hates Bella and is, like, talking shit about her, like, very openly, like, will whisper about her to people and, like, is, like, being really obvious about it. And then Jessica's kind of in the middle. Like, Jessica's not outwardly unkind, but... She's definitely jealous. Jealous of the connection between Mike and Bella and also also Edward and Bella. Bella. And so it would be... It's interesting that Stephanie chose to have three characters... Yeah, I can see why they cut her out in the movie. Yeah. Because um, she kind of just is doing the same thing as Jessica, but just mm-hmm. more in the background. The only... Th- I don't remember what happens with Lauren and the rest of the story, but in Life and Death, it plays out more in the quote-unquote gender-swapped version. Mm-hmm. Bo has this whole thing where mm-hmm. he, like, confronts... Um, Logan? The equivalent of Tyler. Oh. Taylor. Taylor. Mm-hmm. Or something. Um, it's, like, very dramatic mm-hmm. and hilarious, um, but there's, that's not in this story at all. Yeah. But the only thing that she does that I can think of, like, what her purpose is, and it didn't necessarily have to be done this way, is that later on, when they're at La Push, Lauren's the one who's, like, making this connection to the Quileutes about, like, the Cullens. Yeah. She's the one who is, like, calling her out about, like, being friends with the Cullens in front of everyone, or in front of whoever's there, which right. I was kind of, like, the only kind of, like, plot device I could think of that might be, like, that might be Lauren's purpose. I don't yeah, know. which is strange, because it's, like, all the writing advice that I've ever gotten for creative writing is, like, if it doesn't add something to your mm. story, cut it out. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not, like, I don't mind that Lauren is there, I think. It's maybe it's, maybe she's just, like, the person that Tyler ends up going out with, and because, I don't, I don't know if Eric has someone to go out with, but... Mike does. Like, all these boys that are pining after her end up having, like, a, a, a lady equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird, touchy, catty mm-hmm. thing that's happening, and that's that's kind of uncomfortable, honestly, yeah. for me to read. Um, it's weird, because it's like, I don't know, I see Bella's narration of her calling her, like, voice nasally and, like, things mm, like that, and yeah. then, like... It feels very, like... Taylor Swift, you belong with me. She wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts, yeah. she's shit and I'm on the bleachers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very problematic message that some types of girls or some types of feminine expression are, you know, inferior in some way to others for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. It's like a problematic take. It does set up this opportunity for Mike to defend Bella. And, yeah. And so Lauren is kind of saying... I don't know why, and Bella overhears this, like, I don't know why Bella even sits with us at all. She might as well just go sit with the Cullens. Yeah. And Mike is, like, she's my friend. She sits with us. I enjoyed Mike in this chapter. Yeah, Mike was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, Mike Newton writes. Yeah. (laughs) He was good. He was good in this one. Yeah. Before they go on the trip, she's talking to Charlie very briefly on page 112, and she narrates that she doesn't intend on telling Charlie that she's going to Seattle with Edward. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's a really interesting choice. Because I feel like I was just thinking about the last time we were recording that she didn't want to ask Charlie for permission yeah. to go to Port Angeles because yeah. it would set a bad precedent. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that she's already decided she's, she's not, not going to ask. gonna tell him. Yeah, not, she, e- not even just asking. She's not she's even going to tell him that let she's him know. doing it. So, I, I know she's taking advantage of the fact that he goes fishing every single weekend. Yeah. Which is like, you know, she could be doing worse things, but she's literally yeah. going to Seattle with a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> so. I guess she doesn't know <laughs> at this point that he's a vampire, but. Yeah. But once she finds out, her plans don't change. No. If anything, she's like looking forward to it yeah. more. <laughs> she's like, oh, sick. <laughs> I remember when we were reading Life and Death, we were reading this scene and we were like, oh my God, there's so many people on this trip. There are literally so many there's people. There's so many people. There are, I counted, there's 16 people from Forks High School going on this trip. And then when the Quileutes meet up, there's 23 people. Bella's kind of curious about this story that Edward has given her about him going um, camping over the mm. weekend at Goat Rock. Goat Rocks? Goat Rocks. Goat Rocks. Goat Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, just nonchalantly is asking Charlie, Dad, do you know a place called Goat Rocks or something like that? And he's saying, yeah, why? And she's like, some kids were talking about camping there. And he's like, there's too many bears. People go there during hunting season. It's not a mm-hmm. good place for camping. First of all, hilarious. Emmett went for bears. <laughs> Second of all, I looked it up and I was, like, kind of reading about Goat Rocks and, like, the area around it. And it's mm-hmm. on a, a Native um, American reservation, the Yakima Indian Reservation. Mm. And I started thinking, like, this was just me curious about what it looked like, but, um, and it, like, spiraled. <laughs> and I was, like, really distracted. I was just thinking, and we'll talk about this later because it comes up a lot later in the chapter, but, like, the Quileutes are supposedly in this story, the only Native American people that are mentioned to have any tie to, like, supernatural yeah. occurrences, and, like, they have this treaty about, like, the vampires not being allowed on their land, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it's just, it's interesting that, like, they're going to hunt on another reservation, mm. and it's like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? It's yeah, like... <laughs> I mean, I guess you really can't, if you think about it, like, it's all indigenous, it's all indigenous land. land. Yeah. Like, they could literally this would have to go to the ocean and eat a country. bunch of fish blood. Do it. <laughs> it's like, just do it. <laughs> just do that. But eat lobsters. I mean, other other tribes are, like, mentioned briefly at different yeah. points in, this, in the saga. Like, mm-hmm. I, especially, I think, with, like, Jacob's sister. And the Embry, Embry's dad, or Embry's right. mom is from a neighboring, right. um, like, nation mm-hmm. that... I have some things to say about. Okay. Probably what that was is just Stephanie didn't Stephanie didn't include that information. Yeah. Like didn't think about it at all and didn't yeah. think about it as indigenous land. <laughs> yeah. True. Probably. We said I think in the previous chapter that we were like, who the fuck is Lee Stevens? He's on yeah. this trip. He's on this trip. Yeah. He's on this trip. <laughs> and Lee and somebody named Samantha and I was like, wow, Samantha representation. Yeah. And then... Ben and Connor. Yeah. So Mike, Tyler, Eric, Ben, Connor, Jessica, Angela, Lauren, three other girls who are not named, yeah. Lee, Samantha, and then I think um, Lee brings two extra people, mm-hmm. and Bella, and then seven Quilly people who are not all introduced. The only people that are introduced are Sam and Jacob, right? Yeah, that's true. By name. I mean, we had guessed that the others Yeah, are I didn't really pay attention to that, honestly. Paul and... Like, Quill? Quill, Embry. I don't even, I don't remember if it's stated in Life and Death I don't they think are. so. Yeah. I think that... We might have just assumed. Yeah. It could be anyone. There's, like, girls with them. Mm-hmm. There's a girl named Jessica mm-hmm. with them who, like, who's mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So. Yeah, and then there's just really, really beautiful descriptions of this drive to La Push. Yeah. And I kind of noticed that this is the first time Bella's describing the scenery and she's enjoying it. I wrote that too, so yeah. she's saying, like, gorgeous dense green forests and dark gray water and steel harbors and mm. sheer cliff sides and soaring firs and I thought this stone imagery was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Millions of large smooth stones that looked uniformly gray from a distance but up close where every shade of stone could be. Terracotta, sea green, lavender, blue gray, dull gold. I thought that was beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and it's like, so she does think the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's also sunny, so maybe that's yeah. part of it. So she's just, like, in good spirits. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, as she starts becoming more attached to Edward, like, she starts enjoying being there more. She ends up going hiking to the tidal pools. I thought it was interesting that she was so fascinated by the t- tidal pools. Mm. And I was like, 
She's good at biology. That's true. She enjoys marine biology. Mm. Maybe yeah. that would be something that she would be interested in, like, studying. I don't know, because, like, she yeah. always talks about these books that she reads in English. Seems to come, like, literature and, and, like, English writing and stuff like that. Like, seems to come really easily to her and something she does in her free time. But academically, I think she could also be really interested in marine biology. Yeah. Because she's fascinated by this. Yeah, it says she loved it when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. There's this little passage that I really like. I really like Southern Gothic novels. And I thought that this like little passage sounded very Pacific Northwest Gothic. It's on the bottom of page 116 and it's saying that the green light of the forest was strangely at odds with the adolescent mm-hmm. laughter, too murky yeah. and ominous to be in harmony with the light banter around me. Totally. And I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I, I noticed that too. I really like, she describes forks like this like frequently where it's, she is describing the scenery, but also, like, the aura or, like, the ominous feeling of the Mm -hmm. scenery in a way that, in reality, it just kind of feels like that. But, like, in Twilight, like, there literally are things in the forest, you know? Yeah. So she captures that really well. On the bottom of page 117 is where the other people join, including Jacob. It's not, like, the most problematic thing, or maybe it is, but all, like, right off the bat, Stephanie Meyer's descriptions are, um, very racial. Yeah. Very racial. Alright. <laughs> Here she goes. <laughs> Just go off. Just we should do read it. them. Okay. Um, so... The bro- yeah, the first one's on 117. There's another one on 119. Yeah, so she talks about as uh, this, the, like, the Quileute people um, and Bella approaching them. As we got closer, we could see the shining straight black hair and copper skin of the newcomers. Not the worst. Not the worst. Not great. Not great. And then, yeah, on 119... Describing Jacob, she says he looked 14, maybe 15, and had long, glossy black hair pulled back with a rubber band at the nape of his neck. His skin was beautiful, silky, and russet-colored. His eyes were dark, set deep above the high planes of his cheekbones. He had just a hint of childish roundness left around his chin. Uh, Altogether, a very pretty face. White people writing people of color, and then, like, uh, the the, the words they always use to describe their skin. Yeah, the skin. And also, there's a fine line, especially for white people writing people of color and, like, the description of what their face looks like and, like, assigning them, like, just kind of, like, stereotypical features. Yeah, like, <laughs> high-planed cheeks. Right. And things like that. Long black hair. And Bella notices, I mean, and Stephanie writes it this way, that a couple times I feel like that she she's noticing, like, that Jacob is, like, beautiful. She says beautiful and pretty. Yeah. In this passage, which is, like, very interesting to me. Just, uh, like, a hint of, like, some of the fetishization that's, like, going to come. Yeah. It just seems really, like, this could be a description in, like, an erotic novel. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it wouldn't be any different, which yeah. is problematic for multiple reasons. Like, one, the sexualization of... He's 15. A 15-year-old. Yeah. This looks 14, maybe 15. Yeah. And then... Also, like, the sexualization of Native people. Yeah. Um, and then I have more to say when we get to, like, okay. the, the myth of okay. the creation story, rather. Cool. So this is the first conversation that Bella and Jacob have in the story. They knew each other as kids, briefly. They spend pretty much the rest of the chapter talking. Bella really enjoys spending time with him. She thinks that he's easy to talk to and, like, enjoyable to talk to, and he's, like, a nice person. I know because Stephanie Meyer has said that originally Jacob was just supposed to be, like, this plot device mm-hmm. to introduce the term vampire to the story, mm-hmm. um, which is what he does in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting to read it like that. If it had just stayed like that, that would be really interesting, too. Yeah. Like, what would... Like, the purpose of the Quileute Nation in the story would feel different not not I wouldn't say better but just Mm, like mm -hmm. it would be even more kind of just like used as a um like an access point for understanding the Cullens yeah and like an exposition of setting also which is like I don't know if it's not necessary Mm -hmm. but it's like it's not well researched so it doesn't yeah it literally doesn't add like it adds to the story but it's incorrect Mm -hmm. so it's like setting up this like fake setting yeah that doesn't exist in our world Mm -hmm. that is using the terms of our world yeah and like of people that live in our world Mm -hmm. to like like further enrich this like fantasy world that stephanie's created and it's like pick one or the other Mm -hmm. and pick 
together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was interesting, though. And this is another, like, maybe this is how she saw this functioning. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, Jacob is talking about his sisters, Rachel and Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Like, Bella's wondering if they were there because Bella kind of remembers them from childhood. And Jacob's like, no, Rachel got a scholarship to Washington State and Rebecca married a Samoan surfer. She lives in Hawaii now. Bella makes this comment like, married, wow, I was stunned. The twins were only a little over a year older than I was. And I was like, you're literally about to get married and you don't even know it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You're going to be married in a year. (laughs) Yeah. So she's like, I don't know, grappling with young marriage. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, is that intentional? Like, Stephanie had a map of the whole series, like... Is she trying to prepare Bella? But did did she? Because then she originally planned for Breaking Dawn to... Oh, Forever Forever Dawn. Dawn was going to happen right after, and she wasn't going to have New Moon, which is interesting because, like, all... Because of all the hints of the werewolf stuff that come Mm -hmm. up in this section. Do you know if they got married... Were supposed to get married in Forever Dawn? I I feel like they were. Because maybe it functions the same way. Yeah. I don't know. It could. I think they just... I think, yeah, I think it was the editors or whoever who wanted to stretch it out. This whole conversation that's happening right now, Bella's talking about Jacob, like, with a husky voice, and I'm like, he's 15. Mm. Yeah. 15-year-olds can have husky voices, but, yeah. like... <laughs> probably don't. Probably don't, you know? Like, they literally just went through puberty, but... Yeah, this is also where they're all talking as a group. They start talking about the Cullens. Yeah, and this is where Lauren has her... Lauren, like, interjects herself into the situation uh, to bring up the Cullens. Because for some reason, she doesn't like that Bella is getting attention from one of them, I guess. There's no other way to explain it. Yeah, they don't really explicitly state it because I don't think Bella knows. Bella mentions, like, Bella talking about Lauren again in this chapter says... Her, or on this page says, her pale fishy <laughs> eyes narrowed, and I'm like, I just wrote, damn. Yeah. Like, fishy eyes, fishy what eyes. is that? <laughs> I've only ever heard of people, like, referring to people's eyes, like, in a negative way of, like, beady. Yeah. Fishy. Fishy? Like, what? what? And this is where Sam, the tallest, oldest, huskiest voiced um, <laughs> person from the Quileute tribe, says... The Collins don't come here in a tone that closes the subject, mm. um, and it really piques Bella's interest. It spurs her to take Jacob along and mm. ask him more questions about that. So I don't remember Bella really consciously, yeah. intentionally flirting for information. Yeah, she is. Wow, it's very interesting because, like, I feel like I've just been accustomed to watching the movie, and it doesn't come across like that. To I feel me. like she has like. W- Kristen Stewart gave it, like, one good moment where she's, like, he's just, like, it's just a story, Bella, and she's, like, I want to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, like, like, flutters her eye, eyes at him, like, in a way that is uncharacteristic, and I feel like that's the flirtation of this section. Yeah. But that's kind of the only way it comes across. And I just across. feel like this could have been communicated better in the movie if it was a comedy. Yeah. You yeah. know? Because yeah. it would have been really out of place yeah. In the tone of Twilight for Especially it to be because so obvious, but it would have been so fucking funny. Yeah. She's specifically trying to imitate Edward mm-hmm. the way that Edward makes her feel. Yeah. And that would have been really hard to come across in the movie because, like, we don't understand that that's what's happening in the movie right. necessarily. It's also super weird because she's, like, simultaneously, like, flirting, like, ex- like explicitly flirting with Jacob and also, like, refers to him as young Jacob. Like, she says, I hoped that young Jacob was as yet an experienced around girls so that he wouldn't see through my sure to be pitiful attempts at flirting. And I'm yeah. like, if you are consciously thinking of someone as, like, younger than you, yeah. don't flirt with them. Yeah. I've heard, like, the discourse that I, I mean, I don't get into the Tumblr discourse very much anymore, but, yeah, like, neither. I've seen, like, some critiques of Bella in this situation saying, like, for her, like, leading him on, which I don't think should extend beyond this scene at all. Like, no. I don't think that after this, it happens ever again. It doesn't set a precedent for how she behaves. She just gets information from him, and then, yeah. like, it doesn't... And it's I don't honestly... think this is enough for him to get hopes up. Yeah, and it's not very... Ex- it's She's not, like, complimenting him. No, she's not, touching, like, touching him, him. Yeah. Or anything. She's just... She's really just kind of, like, being a little bit more friendly. And she's acting, like, a little bit less direct. 
than yeah. she would be if she was just asking the questions that she wanted to know. She's trying to be casual. Yeah. She's trying to flatter him in order to get information out of yeah. him, but in a very subtle way. Like, she's like, so you're what, 16? I, I asked, trying not to look like an idiot as I fluttered my eyelids the way I'd seen girls do on TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's just, like, complimenting him, making him feel special, which is interesting, and it works, which is so funny. Um, that he's like, I'm not supposed to tell anyone about this, like, tribe secret, and Mm -hmm. he just does it. In this section, he gives her, like, all this information. They walk down the beach, and it's, like, clouding in a little bit, so the scenery is ominous now, which Mm -hmm. I appreciated. And he starts giving this supposed Quileute legend, which is... Yeah. Since you looked it up. (laughs) So... When I was reading on page 124 about this, like, Quileute creation legend, something really struck me. Okay, so I don't know because I'm not by any means an expert or Quileute. Mm -hmm. I'm white. So I don't know, but this, the, the legend that's given in this book is... Well, there are lots of legends, some of them claiming to date back to the flood. Supposedly, the ancient Quileutes tied their canoes to the tops of the tallest trees on the mountain to survive like Noah and the Ark. Another legend claims that we descended from wolves and that the wolves are our brothers still. It's against tribal law to kill them. And so I was curious, like, I was curious about this whole flood thing. Um, and I was like, is this referring to, like, the same great flood as, like, the great flood of the Bible? Is this Stephanie talking about the events of the Bible as if they're fact. Fact? Is like, is this like a misapplication of like Stephanie thinking that biblical history can be like taken as fact and that the only difference would be Noah's Ark versus Quileutes and Canoes? Or is this like maybe the impact of Christian missionaries on the creation um, stories of native tribes because sometimes those two things can be, like, reconciled in a really interesting way Mm -hmm. so that, like, maybe it makes sense to, like, reconcile, like, Christianity with, like, the traditional, like, like, narratives about, like, where your people come from and things like that. Um, and so I decided to look it up. This was just Googling. It wasn't like I did any actual research, but I went onto the Quileute tribal website and they have no mention of this whole, like, flood canoe thing, the only thing that I could find that was close to that was that, and that doesn't mean that it's not true, the only thing I could find that was close to that is that, like, Quileute elders or, like, tribal chiefs are sometimes buried in canoes that are tied to the tops of trees on the Mm. sacred burial ground. Mm. No mention of the flood, but that, again, that doesn't mean that's not a legend that's out there. And then, this wolf thing is really interesting. So mm-hmm. another legend claims that we descended from wolves and that the wolves are our brothers still. Okay. So the actual, like, Quileute creation legend is that in, it's really similar to the other tribes around the area, including the tribe that Embry's mom is supposedly from. There's all these tribes around the same area that have the same or similar creation story, and it's about this figure called the Transformer, which is, like, a English translation of mm-hmm. what this figure is. And... They travel around the Pacific Northwest region at the time of the creation and go to each tribe and transform an animal into a person. Mm -hmm. And so the creation story is that animals were once like people and lived in the same way that native people did in like houses and they would like fish and have tribe, um, tribal meetings and things like that as animals. And then the transformer goes through the area and, and changes multiple different tribes from different animals. And so the Quileutes have the wolves. Mm-hmm. I want to say another tribe had a dog. There were some from, like, birds, things mm-hmm. like that. And so, yes and no <laughs> to this. Um, obviously, they are not werewolves. Yeah. Obviously. Um, and there's this really interesting website. It's at the, the Burke Museum website that has this really... like a whole bunch of really interesting information it's a museum of natural history in seattle um and they have this like website that has like twilight myths and misconceptions Mm -hmm. on it um which is really interesting and they talk about kind of like the racial and class based assumptions that are given to the quileutes um Mm -hmm. versus the collins and i think that is some really interesting information that we'll probably talk more about later. I think it's the fact that that um, website, like the disclaimers on, on their own website exist, probably speaks to the impact that this story had on like 
the actual Quileute people and, mm-hmm. like, how, like, if they need to state things like, we're not werewolves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, literally. Like, they probably had to undergo just, like, a lot of attention that was yeah. not, that was very... Um, probably misinformed um, and possibly offensive and just exploitative, really. Yes. I mean, they totally had their story. They had totally had their creation myths, their, their traditions, their name, their land utilized for plot in this story. Um, and it's um, very telling that, like, that's evident because of what they have had to say publicly. Yeah, and I was, you know, reading about that and a lot of the things that this museum website and the even the tribal website are saying is like, you know, we have guidelines about visiting our land mm-hmm. and like apparently back when Twilight was more in the news, MSN went out to do like a story on Twilight filming locations and they had mm-hmm. asked like expressly like written permission from the city of Forks mm-hmm. and, or the town of Forks and then had trespassed on tribal land and taken footage there without asking. Oh, God. Um, the, the nation, the Quileute Nation, has, like, a law against, like, doing any recording without asking. Yeah. Because it's, like, sacred right. land. And there were, um, like, f- there was footage of, like, burial sites um, that are not, like, accessible to the public. Jeez. And, like, people are not allowed to visit them. And people are very much not allowed to take pictures or video there. And yeah. so the nation, the Quileute Nation asked MSN to take down... The images, and they did, but they, like, shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. Like, they weren't... They didn't ask, but they asked another town. So it wasn't just, like, poor planning. Like, yeah. they did the planning, and they did the, like, asking of, like... The wrong people. The wrong people. Yeah. I was reading about the, like, tattoos. The tattoo imagery, and, like, the popularization of the tattoo imagery mm-hmm. on like, merchandise and things like that. Yeah. And how they never saw any of that money. But it's really mm-hmm. interesting because the tattoo design is not Quileute. No. It's from an Alaskan, not a tribe, but a, a people called the Haida. It's on the Alaskan panhandle. The imagery used by the graphic designer that worked for the Twilight team used that imagery instead of Quileute imagery, but then also, like, neither of the communities saw any of the money from right. all the merchandise sold. Right. Of, like, the Quileute, like, tattoo imagery of, like, yeah. the, the boys' shoulders mm-hmm. and, like... I really done all around. Yeah, I would we speculate that like if she, I I almost feel like if she felt like she had to use indigenous people in her story, then she should have like maybe made up a a nation. But like I feel like maybe that could have been more yeah. disastrous. I was thinking about that because it's like then she relies on stereotypes, and right? It's kind of like this pan Indian thing, yeah, of like taking the most like, sensationalist and, like, interesting, in quotes, I did air quotes, but you can't see them. Yeah. Um, interesting parts of tribes to, like, yeah. mishmash together, like, I feel like I she shouldn't have included them, or if she just, like, absolutely was going to, she should have talked to Quileute people, she should have gotten their permission, she should have had them give their insight to the yeah. story and, like, help her with, like, the things that she was writing about Quileute people, because then it would yeah. be more accurate and, like, perhaps have, like, a just better representation, because it could have had the opportunity to, like, maybe be positive. Yeah. Especially because they're, like, I don't know, they need money. They need money, yeah. <laughs> like, they need money to relocate because a lot of their, like, their schools and buildings are on the coastline, and the coastline is, like... Eroding. Eroding, and so it could have been a better relationship. I kind of also think, like, as you're moving... As Stephanie's moving forward, after the first book got popular it would have been nice to bring someone on as like a consultant for either like story writing purposes and like I don't know how much depth she put into researching things but I like at least for the movies like there could have been yeah I don't know the only thing that I've heard positively is that like I mean they did obviously Taylor Lautner is white yes you didn't know that he's white um they did hire other indigenous actors to play these indigenous parts, but none of them were cool you. None of them were cool you, yeah. So it's like, what? <laughs> it's interesting it because helpful. I was reading this statistic from the Burke Museum that like 50% of Quileute families were living in poverty at the time of like the Twilight like craze. Like it was just like a really stark contrast between the money that was like coming into the saga and then like that wasn't going yeah. anywhere and it just seems like because the town of Forks has, like, the tourist locations, like, they're generating some amount of profit. Mm-hmm. 
from that, and and it just, like, sucks all around. Yeah. Their movement is called Move to Higher Ground, and the website is just mthg.org. That's just, like, the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah. Um, I have a lot more to say when we get to New Moon. Yeah. I have some stuff to say about, like, gender and domestic violence, which I was reading mm-hmm. is really interesting. They're just, like, half naked all the time. It's, like, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to unpack. <laughs> Have you ever wondered why Pluto isn't a planet anymore? Have you always suspected that your favorite sci-fi show on Netflix had some scientific inaccuracies? And are you interested in keeping up on the latest news in space and astronomy? Then you should listen to Astronomy Brothers. It's a podcast hosted by two brothers and science communicators, Seth and Aaron Lockman. Every episode, Seth and Aaron bring you the latest space news, geek out about their favorite space topics, and ponder not only the cosmos, but our role in it. Check out Astronomy Brothers wherever you get your podcasts, or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Astro Bros Pod. Aaron is a personal friend of Sam's. Yes, we went to high school um, together. And I have followed him on Twitter and now Instagram as of a few days ago, and I really, really enjoy him, so I'm sure you will also enjoy his podcast, which I'm actually really excited to listen to myself because I have a long flight coming up and I'm really always excited to listen to podcasts of friends. Last time I I saw Aaron. We talked about our podcasts and we were talking about like the intersection of our podcast <laughs> interests. We were talking about vampires in space. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Another thing that I'll say about Aaron is that like, he's always been extremely supportive of our podcast, yeah, he um, which is really, really awesome. So mm-hmm. thanks for that. Thanks, Aaron. And hi. <laughs> anyway, so, so the explanation of the, the vampires. Yeah, is and the werewolves. And the werewolves. Here. So the cold ones, the treaty or truce. All the while, Bella is trying to casually intercept this information mm-hmm. and try not to show how seriously she's taking it. I just I think it was interesting because like there's many points throughout this like sharing of this story that Jacob kind of like pauses to poke fun or like roll his eyes or like whatever yeah. to like demonstrate that he doesn't believe. Yeah. In all this, right. but I wonder how much of it he does believe in. Mm. And I was also thinking, like, the role of religion, which comes up when we meet Carlisle mm-hmm. quite a bit, Christianity and all that fun stuff, but, mm-hmm. and Edward, like, his whole, like, spiritual soul yeah. bullshit, um, but <laughs> the way that Stephanie is writing this, it seems like they're untouched by colonization. Yeah. Which I think is a, a thing that happens when white people write native tribes right. quite a bit. It acts as if they don't ever evolve, and it, like, kind of paints them as whatever they were at the time that, like, the most prominent anthropology report came out about them, and they, like, don't change from there. (laughs) Yeah. Like, as, like, a static culture, and, like, nothing ever shifts, but Jacob is, like, I don't believe in all this stuff, and it's, like, well, we're, like, a lot of cool people are Christian, Mm -hmm. as many Native people are, because Mm -hmm. of boarding schools, and missionaries, and colonization, and it's, like, well, what do you believe in? Yeah, there's there's not a lot of talk of of spirituality, like, I guess in Eclipse, they talk about some of the legends in more depth and there's more of an explanation of like the werewolf thing and there's like a spiritual aspect to that yeah but they don't really talk about god or gods yeah at all outside of like the werewolf creation story that stephanie meyer has written yeah it makes me wonder because it's like unless i'm wrong billy and harry Mm -hmm. and like maybe a couple of other people know yeah the elders know know that they're that this is real yeah a thousand percent yeah positive and so like I don't think they would be influenced by Christian ideology if they know that their creation story is true and if they know that, like... Mm -hmm. So maybe they, maybe they've instilled that maybe and it like maybe they just instilled a lack of Christianity because they don't because they personally don't believe it. That's kind of been infused into the tribe as because they're the tribal elders. Yeah, that would make sense, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Stop me. There's a lot of holes here. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> they end their conversation. Bella feels positively about Jacob, but guilty for using him. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, basically now and for the next chapters, she's just like grappling with the fact that Edward is probably a vampire. She's avoidant. She's too. very avoidant, and I will. Th- we can take a little break, but like. The next chapter is the most Virgo chapter we've had yes, so far. Yes, I wrote that a million times. <laughs> so a million Virgo. Times. Yeah, so at the end of this chapter, she's, like, heading home and trying really hard not to think, and mm-hmm. I was just, like, noting that I actually really liked the chapter. I know I just, like, kind of yeah. went off, but... It's a good chapter. I really like that yeah. we have we had 
this huge chapter with Edward, and then we have this Jacob chapter, mm-hmm. and, like, obviously Bella, like, kind of weaving in between, and it's, yeah. It just makes me wish so much more for Jacob, which is new for me, mm. <laughs> I guess. Like, I wish that there wasn't this love, like, love triangle thing that was about to be imposed yeah. on these three people that... Don't need it. Don't need it. Like, <laughs> I wish that we had gotten a Bella Jacob friendship that wasn't like tainted by that and also like I can see where Stephanie had just totally like invented Jacob to explain the history through. Yeah because um, when he comes back he's he's pretty different. Yeah when he starts acting as like a romantic interest in New Moon it's just like who is that? There's so many layers to that that I'm on like that's probably one of the things I'm most looking forward to getting into because like reading it as a kid I was like very much not a fan of Jacob Mm -hmm. and like still still like am not because like canonically he sexually assaults Bella and like I'm not gonna like separate that out but I also like it's important to acknowledge like the way that Stephanie Meyer has written this character is very racist yeah (laughs) and like that's why it is the way that it is there's just a lot of layers there and I I want to peel them back he's sort of like doomed to fail yeah. Like, he's supposed to be this foil to Edward and Bella, like, mm-hmm. their relationship in general. I'm not a fan of it. It's, it feels really overdone now. Yeah. It didn't really feel overdone at the time, and I think maybe Twilight popularized or repopularized a lot of different tropes, especially yeah. in young adult young adult fiction. I think, like, some book tropes that are overdone, I have, like, a nostalgic appreciation for the sure. first or most prominent one. Yeah. So, the tragic gay story. Yeah. I can not ingest a lot of new media mm-hmm. that has sad lesbian stories mm-hmm. because I'm over it, mm-hmm. but I do love the L word. The L word. Yeah. <laughs> I do love The Well of Loneliness, which is like the first lesbian novel, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Like the story about like the girl that like goes back to being straight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, like after like taking a quick like lesbian break, like I'm so sick of that, but I still enjoy right. The Well of Loneliness like, because um, I know they invented it and like. She's kissing Jessica Stein. Yeah. yeah. Or, like literally any called. movie. <laughs> yeah. Literally any movie, especially from the late 90s, early yeah. 2000s. But, like, I'm not going to watch a new movie about that because it's been done a million times and I'll, like, roll my eyes about it. But, I mean, I don't feel that way about the love triangle at all. Like, I don't want it at all anywhere near me with anyone. Mm -hmm. Ever. Ever. (laughs) The only way that I'll accept a love triangle is if it's, like, they get to be with both of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Only polyamorous love triangles. All right, you want to take a little break and do um, our mini segment, Love at First Bite? Yeah. So, welcome to Love at First Bite. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. Happy to be here. (laughs) This person is 45. Okay. <laughs> you already swiping left. <laughs> no. No. I'm just like suspect. <laughs> the bio is looking for someone to road trip with, make art, and enjoy the sun. The song is <laughs> You Look So Suspicious. Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran. Or Rascal Flats, depending yeah. on which version you prefer. Okay. <laughs> and then the picture, profile picture of them is um, them in a sun hat, they have curly hair, mm-hmm. they're on the beach in the sun, and they have a beautiful, radiant smile. Is it Renee? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Renee oh my Dyer. god, Sw- <laughs> swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> MILF. Absolute MILF, Renee Dwyer. <laughs> I was actually just reading the Twilight wiki page for Renee mm-hmm. earlier today, and did you know that when Renee graduated from high school, she mm-hmm. took a year off and road tripped with one of her friends up and down the West Coast? Wow, queen. Same. <laughs> queen things. <laughs> wow. I love her. I love that for her. Romance. Mm-hmm. Force romance. Run in the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet she fucking knew when she said, when Bella was like, I'm going to move to Force, and she was like... You're going to find a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Real husband shit. (laughs) Wow. I love that. Renee totally would use Tinder. Oh, yeah. In this day and age. Absolutely. Like, if she didn't have Phil. Phil's pointless. Change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Phil's a plot device. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he probably thought the same thing that I did, which is just MILF. Yeah. He's he's (laughs) younger. Yeah. He's a baseball player. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That was love at first bite. Yep. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <sighs> Back into the source material. 
Chapter 7, Nightmare. Nightmare. Dream sequence. Again, Bella is fucking prophetic. She's prophetic. Yes, she is. This whole chapter is like her coping. She intuitively now knows that Edward is a vampire. She is just going through the process of accepting... It's like almost like the five stages of grief, but happier. Right. But, and like, And it makes her way happier afterwards. It's really funny, actually. Um, it doesn't... Like, she's kind of, like, freaking out and upset right now, and then as soon as she's like, yep, he's a vampire at the end, she's, she's like, chill. Fine. It's yeah. so Virgo. Also, at the very beginning of this chapter, on the first page of the chapter, she is um, listening to the CD that Phil gave her. This is also very Virgo. Mm-hmm. She's distracting herself from her thoughts, mm-hmm. like, she's avoiding them, and she puts on the headphones and, like, listens to the music really loud, like, several times through until she knows all the words. I'm pretty sure, canonically, this is a Linkin, Linkin Park, Park album, yeah. which is really funny. <laughs> so she has this dream, and what I thought was fascinating about this dream is that mm-hmm. Mike Newton is in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Bella sees Jacob and then... She's at push again, basically. Yeah, and, and basically. she sees Jacob and then she hears Mike's voice calling for her to run that way. And, like, Jacob's also telling her to run that way. Jacob turns into a wolf. Literally, he shakes, falls to the floor, and then in his, uh, disappears. And in his place was a large red-brown wolf with black eyes, mm-hmm. which is, like, literally what he yeah. will look like as a wolf. So I don't know if that was, like, planned out or if she just decided that that's what he was going to look like. I guess. Like, because she already said it. I don't know. I don't know. And then Edward steps out from the trees, and he's, like, beckoning Bella towards him. Mm-hmm. So she steps towards him, and the wolf launches at him, and she wakes up. Yeah. And she ends up, like, waking up really early and isn't able to sleep. Yeah. And so she does a bunch of things very meticulously to mm-hmm. continue to avoid thinking about what she doesn't want to think about. Virgo. Very, very so Virgo. So Virgo. Yeah, she's, like, doing things that she doesn't have to do. Like, she's blow-drying her hair. Mm-hmm. And then she, she's, like, she is inevitably moving towards this research phase of going mm-hmm. on the internet, the mm-hmm. dial-up internet. Mm-hmm. LOL. She's eating cereal. She says, I ate slowly, chewing each bite with care. When I was done, I washed the bowl and spoon, dried them, and put them away. My feet dragged as I climbed the stairs. I went to my CD player first, picking it up off the floor and placing it precisely in the center of the table. I pulled out the headphones and put them away in the desk drawer, and then I turned the same CD on, turning it down to the point where it was background noise. And then she finally, like, opens up her computer. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, like, the famous Googling vampire. It's not necessarily it might not be google though it is because she just says i eventually i made it to my favorite search engine and i does she use don't know and i i need to i I hope it's bing bing or like ask Ask jeeves or like it could be yahoo Mm -hmm. i feel like yahoo would be good for this she goes to a vampire site which like as a kid i really wish existed yeah okay i was thinking about who made this website it's just like some lore place a compilation of vampire lore yeah which is really cool it's fascinating and also like some of it's true yeah some these are like actual yeah um different vampire myths from different Mm -hmm. parts of the world i guess stragoni benefici is the one that stands out to her because Um, it's the only non-evil one yes because it says an italian vampire said to be on the side of goodness and a mortal enemy of all evil vampires and it's like what is good and evil? What is good and evil? Mm-hmm. Great question. Second, would we call the Volturi good? Yeah, because they're the only Italian vampires in this. I think it's just like ends up not being anything. Yeah. Uh, the Volturi aren't good. No. They just create they're order. The, the vampire police. Yeah. We don't like that. No. Okay, I was also <laughs> thinking in this section as she's Googling, vampires, some like something that's similar to what we were talking about with like the love triangle stuff. Yeah. Um, and how that was, it feels overdone now, but it's like not then mm-hmm. i was thinking about how like twilight shapes so much about what i think about vampires and mm-hmm. what other people think about vampires too that it's interesting to remember that bella lives in a twilight free world and so like somehow by definition yeah. she yeah. lives in a twilight free world and so yeah what she knows about vampires the vamp she mentions like they don't some of these sound familiar to vampires that i know some of mm-hmm. them don't the vampires that she knows are like dracula yeah like, Halloween kind of vampires. Like, yeah. yeah. Or, like, I guess, like, the Count on Sesame Street. You know, like... Maybe Queen of the Damned, Anne Rice, yeah. Apples, Vampire Lestat. Maybe. Maybe. But I feel like if she read those, she would mention them. Yeah, she probably would have mentioned right? them. 
Like, yeah, she has, like, the stereotypes here, and she's comparing them to her list of things that she's noticed, and as, as well as Jacob's mm-hmm. criteria, which is very Virgo. She's doing this very methodologically. There's yeah. She has a method to her research. She, like, eventually comes, comes like, really upset with herself, and mm. she's embarrassed about it, and she was, like, she's saying, like, I was sitting in my room researching vampires. What was wrong with me? I decided that most of the blame belonged on the doorstep of the town of Forks and the entire sodden <laughs> Olympic Peninsula, for that matter. Yeah. I was thinking because of that I was thinking about how like we love a small town mystery and also like this book could really be any genre Mm. it just happens to be YA fiction Mm. but it's like and fantasy obviously but like this could be a mystery Mm. this could be a comedy this Mm -hmm. could be like if if it was written in a slightly different way with small tweaks like this could be like in so many different genres it could be a horror yeah Something that she doesn't, I don't think she understands yet. She mentions that she's like, well, vampires can't come out in the daytime. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she's put together that they're, the Cullens are never in school when it's sunny. She mm-hmm. doesn't, She she's picked up on all these other things, but she's never mm-hmm. put it together that, like, they're out of school all the time and it's always when it's sunny. Yeah. He's yeah. really explicit in the movie because it's one of the big clues. And Jessica says it And to Jessica, her. like, explicitly says it. She's like, it. it's because they're camping. Yeah. And then she's just like, I'm gonna go into the woods. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. It is really wild. She, like, is surrounding herself with the woods, which is what she was dreaming about, and that's where she decides to go to think and process all this information and to, like, continue the rest of her decision-making. She says, Here in the trees, it was much easier to believe the absurdities that embarrassed me indoors. Nothing had changed in this forest for thousands of years, and all the myths and legends of a hundred different lands seemed much more likely in this green haze than they had in my clear-cut bedroom. And then she says, in a very Virgo manner, I forced myself t- to focus on the two most vital questions I had to answer, but I did so unwillingly. Mm-hmm. First, I had to decide if it was possible that what Jacob had said about the Cullens could be true. And then she, like, goes through all the different things that she's noticing mm-hmm. and decides that, like, it's it really maybe could be true. And then she asks herself what she's going to do about it and if she's going to take his advice and and like back out and like stay away from him but that makes her very sad Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) and she realizes that she cares about him even like with the knowledge that he might be a vampire she still just wants to be around him Mm -hmm. and so she decides she's not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) and that she well what does she decide she does she say says and i knew she can't stay away. In that, that I had my answer after. She's talking about reflecting on this, or she's reflecting on this dream that she had. And yeah. she's saying, you know, when I'd screamed out in terror at the werewolf's lunch, it wasn't fear for the wolf that brought the cry of no to my lips. It was fear that he would be harmed, even as he called it to me with that sharp edge, with the sharp edged fangs. I feared for him. And I was like, one, get fucked, Jacob. <laughs> to we love that and then she says and i knew in that that i had my answer i didn't know if there was ever really a choice um i was already in too deep so she basically just decides that she can't stay away and she's not going to but mm-hmm. she doesn't really say she doesn't like plan on doing anything about yeah she's like okay business she's as like, usual status quo yeah <laughs> she's kind of talking about like this had always been my way like making decisions was hard for me and then yeah once the decision was made i always followed through I think that's like, really interesting character development right there she truly like is all in on this decision for the rest of her life. She absolutely never questions mm-hmm. ever again if ever Edward is dangerous for her. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't have insecurities about her decision at all. She yeah. literally She's just ready to follow through. made the decision in this moment mm-hmm. and never falters from it mm-hmm. for the rest of the series. And then she does a very Virgo thing, which is she just goes to work on her essay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a little part on 141 mm-hmm. where she... Um, opens her window because it's nice out Mm -hmm. and she says i opened the window surprised when it opened silently without sticking not having opened it in who knows how many years (laughs) yes (laughs) she doesn't know it yet but edward's been watching her sleep for god knows how long she's like in such a hilariously good mood now she's (laughs) thrilled and it's really sad because i had this moment of like the the, like sinking stomach feeling Mm. because i was like oh my god he's not gonna be there it's sunny yeah (laughs) and it's funny that she doesn't even know like She's, She's like, really? he's a vampire, and, like, she knows he's a vampire, but she's still expecting him to be out in the sun, which is funny that she hasn't considered that yet. She's really observant, and she hasn't picked up on that, and I'm yeah. surprised. She's at school the next day. It must be Monday. And she is talking with Mike, who mm-hmm. comes up to her before school, and there's, 
she's telling him about her essay and I guess she's going to write her essay on whether Shakespeare's treatment of the female characters is misogynistic. And I'm like, is it Stephanie? I feel like that was an interesting thing. For I'd Stephanie love to, to read that essay. Yeah. I want to know what Stephanie has to say about that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think it's also kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because now everyone writes about whether Twilight... Yeah. Like, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer's treatment yeah. of the female characters as misogynistic. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. It wasn't very self-aware. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> Stephanie Meyer does mistreat her female characters a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot. Almost all of them. Mm-hmm. And then Mike asks her out on a date, which oh, is God. funny. And then she deflects she, really easily. She really does. She says, I really like this and I wish that it was in the movie mm-hmm. she says i think and if you ever repeat what i'm saying right now i will cheerfully beat you to death Me. i threatened but i think that would hurt jessica's feelings and he was bewildered <laughs> she goes really mike are you blind which You've is never so thought about it before and then edward's not at school yeah, it's so sad. I don't know. I just think it's really vivid, the feeling of, um, like, the the frenzy of anticipation she, like, says. Yeah, true. She has, and I, I just love how, like, vivid that is. Like, it's very teenager with a crush. Like, I know mm. that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Describe one crush. No. <laughs> no, I just, like, remember being excited to go to school and, like, yeah. being excited to go to classes that I had with people that I had a crush on. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember also, okay, this is probably really good. Me and my friend from middle school, we both had a crush on this one person, and we knew that his mom grocery shopped. Uh, she lived, like, right behind our Publix, which is the Florida grocery store. And we knew that she either went on Saturday mornings or Friday nights grocery shopping. And so every Friday night or Saturday morning, we would, like, go walk around Publix and, like, try to run into him and his mom grocery (laughs) shopping and we would like literally like get home from school and spend like eight years putting on like two coats of mascara because we did not have other makeup at that point and we would like absolutely like we would change clothes 900 times and it was like okay we're going to Publix and then if we didn't catch them on Friday nights we would literally go on Saturday mornings and walk around and, like, people that were working there both times were probably like, what the fuck are these girls doing walking around Publix? <laughs> We'd always buy, like, one thing <laughs> after being there for, like, hours. It was so fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> we ran into him quite a lot. Wow. I wonder what he thinks about that now. I'd love to ask him. I wonder if he's aware. I don't um, know. I'm sure his he mom was aware. knew that my friend had a crush on him. Mm. But did not know that I did, mm-hmm. and they got together. Oh, damn love triangle! Yeah, and they were together for quite a long time, actually. What a love triangle that was! Love triangle, so oh, can't believe you the lost Jacob in that one. Yeah, <laughs> you you lost to the public's love triangle. Mm. But I remember that feeling. I also had chorus with this person, and my friend did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like. This is my wow. chance Your in chance. chorus every day. I, and I was, like, you know, the chorus, like, superstar of yeah. middle school. So, I mean, I wasn't good. I was just very involved. <laughs> um, it was not, like, it was wild. But I would, like, make the seating chart. So I would, like, sit myself next to him. And there was this other girl in our chorus class that also had a crush on him. And I, like, sat her really far away. And then I would be, like, oh, my God, she's so desperate. Look Can't at her. you've been doing this for years. <laughs> like it was also for me yeah <laughs> yeah i've always done this i've always done this <laughs> been this way for my entire life the last bit of this chapter is when bella goes out and reads her jane austen compilation mm-hmm. in the yard but gets frustrated because the main characters names are edward and edmund and it's mm-hmm. just like frustrating and she falls asleep and then like there's another kind of like moment where she, she wakes up and she feels like she's not alone mm-hmm. and she and and she's not she's not because edward's definitely in the trees edward's sitting in the trees watching her and Which i really like that sun. part of midnight sun yeah she's decided that she is going to go to port angeles she's like really she's feeling bummed out that she hasn't been able to see edward yet and she's mm-hmm. like trying to like pick herself up and she's like starting to feel good about getting out of town so the next chapter um, will be the Prangelist chapter. She also says this thing, this is like comment made kind of offhand. She's watching t- TV with Charlie and she says, it felt good despite my depression to make him happy. Yeah. And I was I like, that. 
Wow. Like, the emotional range of this chapter of her being, like, incredibly anxious, mm-hmm. distracting herself, to being, like, really at peace, giddy, happy, yeah. excited, yeah. and then extremely low when Edward's not there. Mm. And she's like, I don't even know I'm gonna see him again. And it's <laughs> like, oh my god. It's, like, a lot. It is a lot. But it's a good chapter. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, she goes through a lot, um, and we get to, like, go through every stage with her. So... Port Angeles, big chapter. Oh, and we should plug something. So let's plug your favorite shower product that's in your shower right now. My lush, sleepy <laughs> body wash. That was going to be mine also. That was is was previously called Twilight. Mm-hmm. I was going to also talk about that. That's okay because I have a runner-up. The four different scents of Dr. Bronner's that you have to choose from in your shower. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is the one who uses yeah. them. Yeah. He loves them. All right. Well, that's it for this one. That's all forks. <laughs> Dead inside. <laughs> that's all forks. Thank you for listening to Gender Forking. All of season one is now streaming. To stay updated about the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @jennaforking. For more Twilight content from us, you can follow our blog at bowlingshirtfellows.tumblr.com. For other inquiries, email us at bowlingshirtfellows at gmail.com. If you're interested in supporting the production and maintenance of this podcast, head to patreon.com slash genderforking. The music you are hearing is from O Lucifer.